to Enterprise. Lock on transporters. Beam is up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, come beam us up. Beam me up. Energize. Hello and welcome to Pod Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I'm Oshin. And I'm Andrea. And today we are discussing episode 15, Shuttle Pod 1, in which Trip and Reed return in Shuttle Pod 1 to rendezvous with Enterprise, only to find evidence that it has been destroyed. So, Andrea, this is your fourth time to see this episode. And what I want to know, first of all, is, is this one of the rare episodes that you remembered and were looking forward to? Or is this one that you had forgotten about completely? I didn't know that it was coming up, but I remembered. How can you forget this episode? This episode, <laughs> this episode is, you know, it's an episode. And it's not only an episode, but it's a read and trip episode. Mm-hmm. And they, they just get wasted on one bottle of whiskey or bourbon. Yeah. And it's just so... Yeah, I remember this one. I didn't know that it was coming, but I remember the name of the episode. Like, it rang a bell, and then when the first two seconds that you see them together in the ship, I'm like, oh, this one is it. And from that moment, I was very excited to record this episode with you. Yes, you were, because you accidentally watched this episode ahead of our last episode. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah the disappointment when we, <laughs> when we then had to record the last episode which was not a good episode no it wasn't um, <laughs> i can only i mean i didn't enjoy it i can only imagine how you felt knowing that it was literally filler to get to this one yeah i this yes this episode is much more entertaining than the mm-hmm. last one i also got notes for this episode huge First things first, they gave Reed a personality and it wasn't a good one. <laughs> what is your opinion about that? Um, <laughs> because yeah. we've been complaining. Look, <laughs> we've been complaining that he doesn't have a personality, that his personality is just weapons and knowing everything about weapons. Okay, so they gave him a personality. What do you think about it? There, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to dissect here. <laughs> um, there is. <laughs> because... Because they gave him a lot of personality in one episode. Yeah. Um, I think because they were making up for the previous 14 episodes where he had nothing. I don't think I feel as strongly about it as you do. But I think I'm at the stage where any personality is better than no personality. I know, for sure. 
I mean, it's better to be unlikable because you're dumb than because you're not anybody. Exactly. So I was really, I was kind of relieved in this episode a bit that they did give him more personality. There are definitely some very questionable aspects to that personality. Yeah. Which we'll come to. But overall, I think I liked this episode. No, I liked it too. For sure. Obviously. That's what I was going to ask because... When you said you were excited about this episode, I wasn't sure, okay, is this a is this a good excitement or is this a bad excitement? And then having watched it, I wasn't sure whether this was going to be... I, I didn't know if we were going to be in sync or were we going to be actually debating this for once. Um, so no, it's nice to know that we're on a similar page here. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't my favourite, but... No, it's not my favourite, but it's a good episode, I think. Yeah. And as you say, it does give Reed some personality. And, and it's trip-heavy as well. Yeah. My baby. My first note, because previously on another episode, you talked about your role-playing. And yep. you mentioned how a lot of the Reed fans ship Trip and Reed. And my first note was, this is why. This is the episode. This is where that spawned. And um, there are more instances in the future, but yes, this is one of the main things. This is the foundation. Yes. I feel like this is the foundation on which that ship is built. Yeah, between this and when they were face to face and he was like, come on, duh. Yeah. There's a dynamic there. Yeah. It reminded me of, I don't know, have you seen Speed? Keanu Reeves? No. Okay. So there's a quote at the end of Speed, which this episode reminded me of. I have to warn you, I've heard relationships based on intense experiences never work. Okay. We'll have to base it on sex then. Whatever you say, ma'am. <laughs> and I figured that's what the shippers are doing here. Yeah. Because this, well, <laughs> this episode, it sets up a lot for future in terms of just character dynamics. But I'm obviously very much looking forward to the next episode of Star Trek when this is all forgotten and there is no <laughs> PTS or <laughs> ramifications and we're all just on another yeah. adventure. Yeah, that's going to be what happens. It's just very frustrating with this show or shows like this in general where they guide you in a way and you're like, oh, exciting. Oh, these two people are interacting more and I'm having a look into what their personal lives look like and I'm learning more about them only for it to be completely forgotten the next episode and you're and we're gonna be like I don't even remember yeah so the next episode is fusion that could be so many things what am I going to be expecting from it so yeah it's it's not going to have the ramifications it should. So I watched it a couple days ago. <laughs> so I've forgotten already. <laughs> but do do they tell do, do they tell us what the whole sheep graveyard was? What they saw that they thought was the Enterprise? Yeah, I well I assumed that that was the destroyed cuz we go to Archer and they're transporting a load of aliens back to their home planet after their ship was destroyed. So I presumed it was the wreckage of their ship that 
coincidentally also had a zero one on us or something. So they never explicitly explain because I remember that when he wakes up, Archer's like, "Oh, we'll tell you about it." No, they never explicitly explain it, but I I think that's what happened. Yeah, but so. we assume that that's what it, it means, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, we assume that that's what happened. That it was the other alien ship that they found, and either they had the zero one thing or. I think DePaul mentioned that Enterprise was slightly damaged in the explosion, so maybe that bit of plating got dislodged or something. Okay. Because I was thinking, like, an alien ship can't have... I mean, it could, coincidentally, have an O one, one But it's very weird. Like, they would have them in their own writing. So... Yeah. And if... It, but that plating piece was pretty big. If Enterprise had sustained that amount of damage, I don't think it would be alive. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know much about Starship wreckage, but I You don't? I would like to Primary no, school. No, surprisingly, <laughs> Primary no, surprisingly. Primary school. Um, public education has failed us once again. Yeah. We'll speak about public education on this episode as well. Um, <laughs> I would like to think though that the chief engineer might be better or put a little bit more work into recognizing parts of a ship or right know. so if they both know that it's the enterprise without a shadow of a doubt yeah it's just weird i think they just didn't know how to make them believe that they were alone in space no i mean i and i think it worked it's a good device i mean i, I like this they said i did like the episode and i like the plot and i like that we get read personality and i like trip in the episode i think they work well together the contrast between them but yeah i was thinking surely trip is is the ideal person to be like well hang on our ship doesn't have one of those <laughs> yeah or ours you know, is red and not blue yeah but yeah no aside from that i, I think uh, I, I didn't have any qualms with, with that aspect of it and i liked that we didn't spend too much time with the enterprise with archer we got enough to know what was actually going on, but there isn't really any plot going on on the Enterprise. It's all about Trip and Reed, which I appreciated. Yeah, no, it's completely Reed and Trip centric. Yeah. So, can you remember the first time you watched this episode? Yeah, so I thought that the Enterprise had been damaged, for sure. And that the images that we were getting from Enterprise were like flashbacks. Ah, okay. And we would get the Enterprise catching up to when the damage was done. Yeah. And then the shuttle pod would find them at the same time. And I think that would have been so interesting. I think my brain was onto something. But... I guess for the despair and angst and drama, it makes sense that they're all okay. And they're just over... Not overreacting. I don't think they overreacted. I think they reacted accordingly to who they are. Mm -hmm. But looking back, it kind of was an overreaction. <laughs> A bit. A little A bit. bit dramatic, maybe. What were your thoughts while you were watching it? Um, <laughs> long sigh <sighs> yeah I think the the moment that elicited the strongest reaction from me and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with this and I would have loved 
like that's the unfortunate thing about the dynamic of this podcast is that I would have absolutely loved to be there while you watched this scene for the first time. It was read dream scene because my like my face during that scene was just a constant what the fuck <laughs> like for five minutes <laughs> um but yeah i think for the rest of the episode my overall like i knew enterprise wasn't destroyed the show's called enterprise this is obviously <laughs> some sort of misunderstanding they definitely have not destroyed the ship and killed off half the cast in the 15th episode and i was curious as to how long they would drag it out there was a lot of confusion because we we kind of agreed in advance that i wouldn't text you any reactions or thoughts but i sent you an emoji and it was the eyebrow raise emoji yeah because i just really wasn't sure i had to feel about it for a long time afterwards and i'm still really not sure i feel like i say i like it but at the same time i i don't think it's one i would go back to rewatch because yeah it was just a very it was an episode overall that just made me go huh <laughs> a lot of new information a lot of new information a lot of character development that we know as I, and you know especially because you watched it but i know as just a general star trek fan character development isn't something that star trek shows do so i don't even know why they bother doing it when they're just going to forget about it the next episode so like reed has basically a breakthrough psychologically here in terms of realizing that he has friends and needs to be more open and i just know that there's nothing going to come of that in the next episode he's probably going to revert back to boring gun obsessed read uh, which is disappointing i hope i'm proved wrong but i don't think i will be <laughs> and yeah no don't say anything <laughs> um yeah, as I said, they gave him a personality and it wasn't a good one. And also they're going to forget about it and give him a few more personalities throughout the series. Yeah, Him and everybody, but his is going to be a, a different case, a more striking case because he doesn't have any personality the rest of the time. Yeah. Because I could see Trip, the trip we've known until today's episode getting drunk and trying to be an optimistic person in face of a problem. I could see that. But you don't know what to expect from Reed. Like, he was writing letters to ex-fuck friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. How cringy. How cringy. Yeah, I, I, that whole thing I, I just thought was really weird because... The main thrust of this storyline is the contrast between Reed and Tripp's attitude toward this, where Reed is, you know, he says at the end of it, he doesn't want to die, but he's being pragmatic and saying, okay, well, the chances are we are going to die. And he's preparing himself for that, which I can kind of understand. And Tripp is a bit more optimistic, which I would also, I, I think I would understand. You know, I'd, I'd like to think I would have, try and be a bit optimistic and have some hope. You would um, not. I'm telling you now. I would not. You'd be like, we're fucked. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. <laughs> you, you, would, you would take all the data, right? Yeah. We're alone in space, in a ship that doesn't have regenerating air, in a ship that has limited fuel, in a ship that has no way of contacting anybody else. We're going to die. That would be your logic. I think, yeah, probably. My logic would be like, 
Well, we're gonna die anyway, so let's make the best of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think I would be optimistic. I don't know, yeah, because obviously I don't want to die, and I think I delude myself into thinking there's a glimmer of hope. Yeah, but, like, knowing you're going to die doesn't mean wanting to die. No, I know. No, I know that. But that's why I think I would, like, out of fear, I would delude myself into hope. Yeah, but I I understand Reed. Like, statistically, they were very likely to die. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I want to die. You know, if I knew that there were very large chances of me passing away today, I would maybe sort out a few things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, I'd call my mom, and I'd call Elena and be like, Elena, bitch, I'm dying, you have to come pick my baby up. And I'd call you and be like, my my cat is going to Elena, I'm so sorry. <laughs> now I know where I stand. What is, what is my baby going to do in the UK? She doesn't speak English. Yes, she does, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, she definitely does. I talk to her in English. But yeah, no, and I I get that. Obviously, accepting you're going to die doesn't mean you want to die. But also, I can understand why why Trip would make that mistake, especially in that circumstance, because Trip is trying to be optimistic and trying to have hope, and it's a real buzzkill if Reed is writing his will. Yeah, <laughs> considering that the way Reed is doing it, I think if we were to think that we were going to die today. Would be like, okay, well, I would have a meltdown and then be like, okay, so I'm not going to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm going to sort myself out. But I wouldn't be like, it is with much sorrow that I remember your beautiful eyes on my last moment. Like, no, I'd be like, bitch, I think I'm dying. Someone's going to murder me today. Avenge me. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, your your hypothetical scenario there is very different to Reed's hypothetical scenario. Yeah, but, you, but why are you sulking if he's pragmatic about the fact that he's going to die or they're going to die? Just be pragmatic about the way you go about saying your goodbyes. Like, you don't need to be... So dramatic. Especially when someone is telling you, stop being a downer. Yeah. Okay, so here was my big bugbear with this. It wasn't Reed being dramatic. It wasn't all the letters. But this is the 22nd century, 2151. Have people, humans, civilization, have we completely forgotten about typing? Yes. Reed is just vocalizing all these thoughts, and I completely understand why Trip would find that infuriating, especially when you're trying to sleep. Take out a pad or a tablet and just write or type out your letters of woe, okay? Because at the end, in the final confrontation or the kind of final revelation where he's saying to Reed, Oh, you think I'm this angel of death and I'm not, and he starts telling him about how he wasn't close to people, and he throws in this line. None of them worked out because I could never get very close to them. Never got very close to my family either, for that matter. Not that it's any business of yours. 
You've literally made it his business for the last three days by writing these letters out loud in this enclosed space. Just use a fucking keypad or keyboard. That was my big bugbear on this episode. And I know why they did it, because they had to have him vocalise his personality and his journey or whatever. I mean, they could have done it with a voiceover. Yeah. They could have had him writing letters and voiceover the letters. But then I suppose Trip doesn't get pissed off. Yeah. At his downerism. Downerism. Pessimism. (laughs) Okay, so I have a question for all the quantum physicists that are listening to us. Oh, okay. Or physicists or astrophysicists. I think I'm going for quantum, but I don't I don't know. So so alright, so So we learn in this episode that the size of the hole matters. <laughs> because yeah, I'm yeah, not no, going into do, that yeah. again. We debated that before. But because they get hit by tiny singularities. Micro singularities, yeah. Micro singularities, and those make breaches on their hull, and they're the size mm-hmm. of yeah. a finger or tinier because they can stop it with a finger. Mm-hmm. And they're fine for a little bit. They lose a little bit of air, and you know. So the size of the hull is not the point of my question here, though I am glad to have confirmation that the size of the hull matters. It's the singularities part, because after watching this episode, I realized that I'm not sure what a singularity is, even after watching all the movies about space that bring up singularities. Because I thought that the singularity was the point when a black hole was made. But I don't think that is a singularity. My understanding is that a black hole in itself is a singularity. Because it's... Not unique, obviously, because there's obviously more than one black hole, but they kind of, they happen so rarely. Right, So, but they, they were hit by several black holes then, tiny black holes. Let us, let us look into this. So, singularity, a point or region of infinite mass density at which Space and time are infinitely distorted by gravitational forces and which is held to be the final state of matter falling into a black hole. So it's not the black hole itself. It's matter falling into a black hole that is distorted. Ah, my puny brain. This is why I studied English. Microbrain. Micro, it's not a micro. It's normal size. It's just not effective. Okay. Uh, I'm looking up uh, micro black holes. So they're also, they are hypothetical, tiny black holes. So it's a theory. And listen, I love space. I really do. I love space. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't. I love space okay. and science fiction <laughs> and science and uh, I and you could tell me anything in a movie and make it sound believable and I would believe it because I don't understand any of it. 
<laughs> what even is like how and and I'm not doubting the science, right? I know that I'm working with deficient hardware to understand the concept of the universe. It's not the science's fault. It's my fault. I don't understand it. I cannot wrap my head around the Big Bang. I believe in it, but mm -hmm. I don't understand it. And singularities have always been a point of conflict for me in all the movies that bring them up because I don't get it. So a singularity is just a point in which a very dense point. So me, I am a singularity. I'm fucking dense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking dense singularity, okay so that answers kinda my question, if there's any astro, quantum or normal physicist that can explain singularities to me like I was dumb not that I am, but no comment <laughs> <laughs> try like I'm five try, try like I'm five um, I would appreciate it thanks if you do have if you do have an explanation, please yeah, do get in touch. Podmeofscotty at gmail.com. Are we going to mention the elephant in the room? To Paul's butt. <laughs> <laughs> to Paul and Reed's or Reed's dream of to Paul. Stinky. I'm cringing! <laughs> I'm cringe. Yeah. That was so cringe. <sighs> yeah. I want to know who the fuck wrote that. Because it comes out of nowhere. Because we've never, we've never heard her call. Like we've heard her talk about humans being smelly, and that they're you know she has to have nasal blockers, but she she's never used the nickname Stinky. She's never given anyone any. Any nickname, and suddenly he he has a dream about her, and he goes for stinky. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. Also, I've had dreams about people that I know and that I don't know, famous people, and I've never gone to them and be like, "Last night I had a dream about you, and you called me this." No, what that is between you and yourself that is between you and your subconscious you'd never tell like if I had a dream about anyone calling me stinky or any other nickname so ridiculous I wouldn't go to my best mate and be like so what do you think about T'Pol like you never bring it up again you don't look in her direction it's embarrassing <laughs> okay uh yeah, I mean, really? It's just a dream. I mean, look, Reed obviously didn't tell Trip about his dream. No, but she, he mentioned it to her. No, he didn't. She said stinky to her. Yes. When? At the end. No, he says, aren't you supposed to say something about heroics? And she says, good night, Mr. Reed. And then he, that's him realizing, oh shit, this is a dream. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> Thank not, God I didn't bring stinky. <laughs> Um, yeah, because she's, you know, into the other guy that almost died. Mm hmm But yeah, the whole read fancying or liking to pull was very cringy to me. Not only because of the stinky thing, 
but because when he brings it up with Trip, Trip is very nice. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't mention anything. Like he doesn't bring up anything because then they do talk about her butt. But he's like, Tapal? <laughs> what? And really disgusting. Well, it's just pretty. Oh, God. You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum. <laughs> I think it's a weird conversation to have, but obviously they're drunk. They both think they're going to die. I mean, we've had conversations about Paul's bum. Yeah. But we're not... She's not real, first of all, for us. <laughs> and second of all, we're not co-workers. We- yeah, but we've had discussions about real people's bums. The actress is real, and that is her real bum. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know. I don't know, it just felt a little bit slimy. It was a very cringy conversation, even given the circumstances. But in one of my notes, because Reed asks Trip, have you never noticed her bum? And one of my notes is, in Reed's defense, her bum is very noticeable. Because it is, we've discussed this. <laughs> It's just, it's that suit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Everyone I've, everyone on Enterprise has noticed a pause bump. But just don't, I don't know. It, it felt weird to me that they were discussing Reed's superior officer and Tripp's superior officer and talking about her looks. It should be weird. I mean, like, in future episodes, it should be weird, but obviously they'll forget it. But they were both going to die, so they thought there wasn't going to be any follow-up or any consequences or any awkward conversations after. No, like, I understand it logically. It's just weird to see that conversation, knowing that they're going to see her again and have to hide that, because they're not going to be like, remember when we almost died? We totally sexualized you. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, Tripp's definitely going to notice her bum now, anyway. I cannot (laughs) wait until that starts brewing and we can talk about it. I'm I'm really curious because, you know, Tripp does think he's going to die, but either he's very, very secretive and doesn't want to let anything on to read, or he genuinely hasn't noticed to Paul in that way before. And that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they develop that relationship. I'm ready for it to start happening. I'm wondering now, are they going to turn Reed into the jealous friend or something? I hope they don't. I mean, I don't like Reed anyway, but I hope they don't make him like him any less. Can we talk about the letters, though? The letters to all his exes? And that was the weirdest thing for me. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. Like, imagine you're living your best life on Earth. You moved on from this one guy that you dated, presumably for not very long, because he has so many. It's not like he can have three 15-year-long relationships, right? So presumably for not so long. And suddenly, years into the future, you receive a voice message that he left when he was about to die dedicated to you and you are like so who's this again and then you bump into 
one of your your friends and you realize she got a similar letter. A, a, a very similar letter. Like the only thing that changed is that you have beautiful eyes and she has beautiful ass. That's the only yeah. thing that matters. Yeah, it's just a weird thing to do, Reed. Um, because what is the purpose of those letters? What are they supposed to gain from knowing that you thought about them before you died? What's the point? Like, sending letters to your parents and loved ones, fine, that's fair enough. But what is some random ex? How, how are you expecting them to feel when they get that letter? It's a very weird thing to do. So I think he just wanted the attention. Yeah. To know that he had the attention of them. I hope that when he got back to Enterprise, he deleted those from existence. Mm-hmm. Because that would be embarrassing. Very embarrassing. Definitely an aspect of his personality I didn't like. Agreed. Agreed. I found it strange as well that even though he was like being pragmatic and accepting his fate, he was still refusing initially to drink on duty. Yeah, like, oh, I we know we're gonna die, but I have to be sober for this. Yeah. I have another another thing. Oh, okay, great. So great. remember a few episodes ago we mm-hmm. were talking about how she and how old she was? Yes. And we said, oh, it makes sense for someone so experienced and so good with languages to be late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. In this episode, we are told that both Mayweather and her are 24 or 25-year-olds. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, Mayweather, that kind of made sense. We hadn't really looked up the actor's age, but I kind of figured he was the youngest of them. Yeah, he's he's got that lively idealism of yeah a younger person. I don't want to say naivety because I don't think he's naive, but he's like a he is truly like a puppy because of his age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Hoshi looks older, like she doesn't look twenty four because she's not. But she also, I don't think she. It doesn't feel like she's that young. She feels like she's older. The character. Yeah. Um, the way she's portrayed. And I'm also even more curious now as to her and Archer's previous relationship. Like how they know each other. Right. Because he definitely knew her and he came to get her and request her initially. And that's very strange that you would go to such effort to hire someone so young. Yeah. So, yeah, questions there. But it, it didn't... I mean, I appreciated that they didn't sexualize her in the way they sexualized Paul because that would be weird, given their age and senior seniority. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a surprise. I wasn't expecting her to be that young. Because even before we looked it up, I, I thought she was late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, that makes more sense. But I suppose it makes sense because she also is still an ensign. Yeah, but... So what? So what does that mean? You have to stop being an ensign when you get to 27? Like, no, mate. We all have different paths in life. And she can be an ensign at 30. That doesn't make sense. What? Of course. No, of course she can. But like I'm just saying, she's good at her job. And if someone's good at their job as she is, and on a mission like she is, you expect her to get promoted at some point. I mean, yeah, but that can be said of a 25-year-old as well. If someone is... So... 
let's say that she's 25 in the episode. That that means she was probably 24 or 23 when Archer first approached her and was like, hey, I want you to work for me in a spaceship. If I was 23 and a captain approached me for my skills, I would be like, okay, sure. But that means that I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. So where's my rank? Where is my rank? I want to be lieutenant at least. I want to be lieutenant at least. Because I'm 23 and you're looking me. You're looking me up. I'm not going to you asking for a job. I'm like, mm, actually, no. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you are. That's when she would have been like, I'm going to be a lieutenant then. Lieutenant Hoshi? That sounds so hot. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying that I'm not saying she should be a lieutenant. I'm not saying that, you know, her rank defines her or she should be looking to get a higher rank. I'm just saying that given how these things work, you would expect her to be recognized for her talent and that she would be promoted. Because obviously there's only so much lieutenants you can have. You can't just be handing them out willy-nilly. You can't do it once they reach a certain age. Obviously there are going to be ensigns of a certain age or going into their 30s. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think she's an ensign because of she's never worked in Starfleet, like in a Starfleet position like that before. But that doesn't go with age. She can be 23 and just started and she's an ensign. And she can be 30 and she was just scouted and she's an ensign. Yeah, well, that's So true. that's why I thought... She was 30 because she doesn't look 24. She looks older. She looks more mature, which is also a thing that women usually mature earlier, which I hate. <laughs> um, speaking of, of ranks, we got, a, we got another lieutenant this week. Uh, when Archer asks to Paul who's in charge of engineering when... when oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To Paul's a lieutenant Hess. So there is someone who can manage the ship when all three captain and sub commander and commander <laughs> and lieutenant Reed all go down to the ship. There is someone there who can take charge. Yeah, yeah. So my question is then, why was Mayweather <laughs> made yeah. up to the captain? Where, where was this Hess when the... his shift was over? And you know, you're gender assuming there, but okay. What? You said he. Well. Do you blame me for thinking that another lieutenant engineer was a man? Yes. Okay. They were off shift. <laughs> they were off and sleeping. Okay. They were. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for fighting for the non-binaries and female personnel of the world. Yeah, you're welcome. So... Okay, so I mentioned I wanted to talk about the education system. Yeah. Because I think this is important. At the start of the episode, Reed and Trip are having this conversation about the contrasting cultures and attitudes. Because Reed is reading Ulysses. And I just wanted to point out that this book that Reed is holding out up as this cornerstone of the British core education system is an Irish book. I just wanted to put that out. Hell yeah! You say that! Yeah. I've never read it. 
<laughs> but it is awkward. But I thought that was an interesting conversation that they had. I mean, it was very, it was a lot of stereotyping going on about how, you know, oh, Americans only read sci-fi and comic books. Sometimes I think you North Americans read nothing but comic books and those ridiculous science fiction novels. Well, I'll have you know that Superman was laced with metaphor. Yeah, it's weird coming from an American show. Yeah. That they went for that because, I mean, it's true. Americans consume a lot of sci-fi. But you're in a sci-fi show about Americans in space. Why? Yeah, it always strikes me as weird as well. Just when people in sci-fi shows criticize sci-fi. Yeah. Because, and it's not because, oh, why are the writers doing that? It's because, and this is, this is my fault. I, it shouldn't be weird. But I kind of always think, oh, well, if you're into science and if you're a scientist or any kind, surely you like sci-fi because it's, I suppose, targeting your field or something. But then again, at the same time, I know there are, you know, I'm sure doctors don't like medical shows because it's their work at the same time as well. Yeah, but I don't think the point of science fiction is to be accurate. It's the whole no, point so. of not being accurate. So it's it's having fun with the science and trying to make it fiction. Yeah. A, a lawyer show or a doctor show usually tries to be credible and uses a lot of buzzwords that maybe don't make sense to the yeah. illness or the case. So I understand how they can be put off by it. But science fiction is all about this doesn't have to be real. Like we're making up that there are micro singularities hitting the hole and making a, a hole a hole in the hole and then no one dies. And if, if a micro singularity comes near you, you would be sucked into it. Like we don't know. Yeah, but this is it because we're not scientists. So we don't know that in Godot buzzwords. But I imagine if you're a scientist, it is similar because they are using these, you know, as we looked up, micro singularities are a real theory. They haven't been proven, but they're a real theory. And I'd imagine if you were a scientist or an astrophysicist, watching this episode might be frustrating because you'd be like, oh, that, that's not how they work. They've literally taken this name, micro singularity, and just made up this whole thing for it. But at the same time, most people that I know that went into engineering or any kind of science field are nerds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That reminds me. One of my best friends is an engineer. Uh, we were in college when the first Iron Man movie came out. And I remember watching that with them. Literally, the movie ended and him and his other engineer friend who had come over to watch it, like, just turned to each other and were like, I just want to go home and study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> it just stirred this their engineering desire in them. Yeah. Not that... Iron Man is science fiction because it's not, but it is. things like science fiction and and things like that have been historically moving science forward. Yeah, and there are things in old science fiction stories that are now reality. Yeah, for sure. I And I know, I, I read somewhere that Star Trek has helped with some of the scientific discoveries or advancements made in the last decades. I don't remember what, and I'm not sure if that's even real, but I'd like to believe that, you know, the theory behind some of the things... Let's say it is. 
I'm. I didn't say it is. I. I said I read. No, but let's say it is. Let's just let's just imagine that it is until corrected. No, but otherwise. it's just fun to think that there is some truth to what we're seeing, even if it's not a hundred percent, or even if we don't even know yet. Because maybe, maybe in twenty years' time, they discover a micro singularity, and they're like, and actually, it behaves a lot like this. And we see this yeah. episode again, and it's like, oh, well. There are just micro singularities traveling around in space and breaking holes. Yeah, exactly. And then um, also in that conversation, I thought this was interesting. We get Reed lamenting. Oh, if only Dr. Cochrane had been a European, the Vulcans would have been far less resistant to help us. Because Europeans are, I don't know, I don't know, would have got on better with Vulcans or something. It was a really weird line. Yeah, it was very. That whole thing of Reed talking so highly about Europeans when, in retrospect, they left the the European Union, so they're not even European anymore. Yeah, they hadn't at this stage in the real world, but yeah. Of course, they hadn't, but now it's funny. Um, But them talking about, or him talking about the Europeans so highly. Mm, It was weird. As Europeans, we can say, what the fuck are you on about? But also, like, even even back then, in the real world, you know, pre-Brexit and all that, even back then, the British, and especially the English, definitely didn't consider themselves Europeans and didn't talk about themselves as being Europeans. And they wouldn't have compared themselves to Europeans, because there is no European culture or way, like... England and France are England and Scotland are very different and they're both in Britain. <laughs> um Yeah. I think that maybe they were trying to go the route of you know, in the hundred years that it takes between present time and Star Trek Enterprise. Britain closes ties with Europe and really gives into the culture. I think they were trying to go <laughs> that route and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Because even then, yeah, like, the British have always been so independent from everything else. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, is there anything else on this on this episode? Any other notes? Any other final thoughts? I don't think so. I'm just excited for Trip and Topol to start being a thing. And assume that Trip tells her about the conversation they had. Behind closed doors in their quarters, we're not gonna see that, but it would be so funny to have them, you know, become a thing and him being like, Actually, I have to tell you something my love, the love of my yeah. life. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the only one on this ship who appreciates your bum, yeah. <laughs> when we almost died, <laughs> Reed and I talked about your bum. So, is, is that it? Is there anything else you wanted to say? No, there's nothing else I wanted to add. Okay, um. So thank you. Yeah, I was just about to, and you interrupted. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with episode sixteen, fusion. You said, yeah. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at PodMeUpScotty. And if you'd like to get in touch with any questions or feedback, you can email podmeupscotty at gmail.com. If you'd like to show, you can follow us on your podcast app of choice. 
and uh, you can review it as well. Uh, thanks again, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. And then, and then, and then you're like, yeah, yeah, but, and, and you, you talk to people and people are like, yeah, but men don't really ever mature, do they? No, no, they don't. They don't really mature. So what am I supposed to do then? <laughs>